Welcome back to Let's Learn Something. I'm your host, Paul McTavish. If you listened to our last episode with Jennifer Mason, you already know that we're releasing two episodes today. For those of you who have jumped straight to this episode, here's a quick explanation. Today, we are extending our examination of student voice to take a closer look at what this looks like in the classroom. And there was too much good stuff to fit all into one episode. So Jen's episode is focused on working with younger students. This episode with Edla Landry is focused on working with middle years and high school students. And we've got one other episode coming up that will be available shortly. So, as I mentioned, the episode you're about to hear is with Edla Landry. She is a teacher at Delisle Composite School and a sector facilitator with PSSD in the area of literacy. I have known Edla since I began teaching at Delisle Comp many years ago. Edla has a lot of experience teaching a variety of humanities courses and has background in music as well. She also writes a blog and is an outdoor enthusiast. In this conversation, we start off talking about student voice, but the connections to assessment practices make themselves evident pretty quickly. I'm happy to get to share this with you. So, let's learn something about student voice and teaching older students with Edla Landry. We're super excited to get to chat with you, Edla, so thank you so much for being here with us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I know you teach a little bit of ELA stuff, but why don't you give us a quick overview of what you teach and and how you do it and all that kind of jazz. Well, I've had kind of a variety of things over the years, but um, this last semester or the first semester to start this year is a senior English class. And so that has been where I've been kind of playing around a little bit with some new ideas in terms of um, uh, some portfolio work and some gradeless ideas and uh, what we're talking about today, like some student voice. And I'm just wondering, like, how that fits for you with what you do or how you see it um, working in ELA classes, that, that kind of stuff. Like, what, what do you do with it? Okay, well, I think I'll, I'll back it up one step first, just because even with Perfect. kids, when we are talking about, like, the choices that we're making and, and the kind of choices that they're, they're going to be making on their own, we talk about it as a different philosophy. Um, and that's not right or wrong. It's just simply my philosophy. And I, and I really strongly believe in that idea of, uh, student voice. And the first reason I would say it is that engagement, right? It, kids are just more interested when they have some control of their learning circumstances. They're getting a chance to give some input and pursue some areas that they might be more interested in or pursue it in ways that they, they feel are strengths for them or things they like to do. Uh, so I think that that's a, a really huge part of that. Um, I think also like in terms of, of the class culture, I guess I would say, or relationship building, that when, you, when we allow students that chance to, to give input or to hear their voices is we're valuing, we're saying to you, I value what you're already bringing into my classroom. Like, so it's not my agenda or the curriculum's agenda. It's not those kind of things. It's like, like we value what you are bringing. I value what you're thinking. I trust that, that you know some of the ways that you, you might want to pursue this. And it's just kind of giving them, I guess that, that would be the third part is, is the biggest part is to me is the ownership of learning. So that it's not that passive learning. It's not just, you know, I'm here doing it because Mrs. Landry says I have to do this or because the curriculum guide says we have to do this. It's it's them pursuing their own learning and it's, it's that active participation in it. And that's what we want, right? Like the end goal is to have kids who are, you know, creative, creative thinkers, critical thinkers. Like we want them to be problem solvers and innovative and 
I mean, if they're just doing something because I told them to, or we're working out of something very like a program or, you know, even just textbook kind of idea is that that's very limiting. And so if we open that up and say, like, what, what you'd like to do is, is a possibility. And that just really, really gets kids uh, interested and engaged in that learning. Yeah, you hit on something that's like huge for me. It's like, and it took me longer than I want to admit to understand this, but it's like the idea that like education is relational. Uh, like that, for me, when I first started, that was, I did not get that. I was like, oh, we're supposed to teach this stuff. We're supposed to teach this content. I didn't really under, I wasn't very good at understanding or being intentional about like figuring out where the kiddos were and then like building a relationship with them. And then that was the basis upon which we did the education parts. I, I didn't, I didn't get that. And it wasn't until later where I was like, Oh, if you do this, if you create relationship, <laughs> if you allow them to like express themselves, like this, this whole thing is much easier. So that that's one thing I really connected with what you're saying. I think it sounds like you really value that. And the other part is just the idea that it's like, so who's doing the talking is the one who's doing the thinking. Or like if we want to develop some some complex skills or we want to develop higher order skills, I guess, on even like Bloom's taxonomy or things like that, that requires a lot of wrestling, uh, like a lot of mental wrestling, I guess. And you don't do that in silence. It, it's active, it's messy and all those types of things. And we can't can't make really good decisions if we don't know what the kids are thinking, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that relationship piece is, is huge. And I think that when you're saying to them, like, everybody is not going to be in the same place. Everybody's not going to be doing the same thing. And that is totally okay. And it's it's encouraging that risk-taking. And kids know kids know when they're, they have a passion or something they're stronger at. And they like to share that. And so they're more willing to take that risk in that area, which may also nudge them to take a risk in an area that they're they're more vulnerable in as well. Yeah. You're making me think so like, so the reason I would have started earlier with just like, there's one way that we do it and your voice and this doesn't really matter is because I didn't, I had a pretty limited skill set. It was basically, like, I barely understand this science that we're doing to begin with. Right. It's like, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm at. And I just wonder about like, what are the competencies you have or what are the what are the strengths you have or what are the things that you are intentional about that you do so that you can give some of that back to kids so that they can show you in like different ways like here's what i understand or they can bring in an interest that they have because that wouldn't have been something i would have been comfortable doing at the start i guess yeah and I, a lot of that is just making your thinking visible Right. Mm. So it, when we're, when we're having talking about a discussion or maybe we watched a video in like just the other day we had done that. And then it was like, instead of just giving you like comprehension questions off of the video, or we're just going to write, write up a, something as a, as a response, it's like, okay, no, no, I want you to show me what you learned or what you took away from this. And, but it has to be visible, right? It has to be in some way that I, I can see what you're thinking. And it can just be a list of questions. I actually had a student had, had said like this kind of like this is what I I took away from here and then this was a chance to, for me some questions I I have to to explore more in and it wasn't it wasn't that complicated but it was just a way for them to, again everybody's look different and then we often will share too so that may give another student when you're talking about not necessarily having the the competencies or not really sure what to do because that's the <laughs> That's the, the dilemma. If you don't know where to even start, it can be crippling, right? And yeah. so it's always sharing what other people are doing. Some kids are sketchers and they like to sketch things out and some, some are writers and they like to write it out. And, but it's, it's just really sh giving them that ownership of 
look, this is what we did as a communal thing together. Now you show me in your own individual way what you took away from that. Do you find it hard to be uh, consistent or to be, like if you have multiple, if you have different products or kids are expressing themselves in different ways or through different methods and it's not like all the same, do you, is that a challenge at all to try and say like, you know what, I'm assessing this at a certain level and some other product that is completely different, I'm assessing that. But like at the end of the day, there's going to be a score that's going to go on the report card and you want that to communicate something that like consistency or uh, fairness or validity or whatever. Is that a concern for you at all? Or is it just, or is it, are you comfortable with that? Like, where do you sit with that whole question? Okay. So you've kind of got two things going in my head. So the first yeah, I got thing a whole bunch make... of stuff I threw in there. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I think about is it's everything is outcome based, right? So we're always very clear about what the outcome is that we're trying to achieve. And so if you're going to do, let's say, so it's fixed, we're going to do some narrative writing and maybe yeah. somebody wants to do like a, not stereotypical, but just a, like a fictional story. Um, someone else might be writing some poetry. I had it like a student decided to pursue it that way. Um, so I think that as long as we're just really clear on what the outcome is and what some of those targets that we're trying to hit with narrative writing and whether they, they reach those or not. I guess the second part for me is that uh, like we also take a gradeless approach is what we did this last semester. And so mm. as we're doing all of these things, a lot of it is just formative assessment. Right. So we weren't sticking a grade onto everything. So I didn't have to like mark this and, and decide, OK, this is different. It doesn't look the same. Every looks different. How am I actually going to mark them all? And so it was when we had that gradeless approach, what we did then, I think this goes back to one of your first questions. So what do you do in ELA, senior ELA, yeah. uh, was that then we had a portfolio and interview. So the very beginning, actually going to back us up then, um, was when we, we kind of co-constructed the course together. So we took a lot of those comprehend or not the comprehend respond, uh, the compose and create, and we took those outcomes and students came up with like a blueprint for each one of them. How am I thinking I want to hit this? And then from there, we kind of saw which were things were in common. And so there were some mini lessons based on different types of media or, or things that they might not have been comfortable with. Uh, but they each came up with their own self-directed portfolio on how they were going to hit each one of those targets. And then we did the same with assessment was um, agreed that that we everything was going to be practice, lots of side by side learning, lots of feedback given all the way through. But then what they would do is bring like their best example of kind of each of those targets they were supposed to hit to an interview. And then we sat down with that portfolio and with interview questions and talked about like, OK, so how does this demonstrate that this is your highest level of skill or what, whatever outcome we are trying to meet or mm -hmm. like how did you make that learning visible um, just really talking through uh, their learning through the pieces they submitted and so then that way it, it was actually and then we actually kind of agreed together on on where we felt um, that that as holistically where all of those pieces came together so we're so we're deep into assessment which is awesome when you're in that conversation with those kiddos and they brought their portfolio, I would assume that they're going to have different pieces of evidence. Like not everybody's going to have like assignment 3.2 was this thing. It's basically going to be like, here's my example of a, of narrative writing. And here's my example of expository writing or whatever. Right. And it like, those are going to be the things that they have. And here's my example of me assessing something, right. Or reflecting on something when you go into that conversation, eventually you're going to have to have a score at the end. How are you preparing for that? Or how are you thinking of that when you're in those conversations? 
when we have those conversations, you see kids are like, well, what do you think? Right. Yeah. So then, then you push them back to that. It's that student voice. It's like, no, no. Like I, I, as you know, have a very good understanding as to where I feel or which level, right. Uh, on the four point scale, where I feel that they, your, your different pieces fall and then holistically all together. But then it's for them to verbalize where they feel. And so it does have a rubric. Like I, we don't use the rubric for much, but there is a rubric at the end. Um, that just asks them to kind of kind of look at this and, and based on their evidence, like or do they feel that they're working at this like at a basic level and you have some evidence of understanding or is it, you know, a little bit more that they're showing some ownership of their learning, solid understanding of the course content, right? Or or then we kind of move move up and down. And then also based on how independently they work or how much um, like kind of kind of assistance that they needed. And so we we sit down and we we negotiate that together. Yeah, that gets determined. Like you, you're like, they might have a landmark to say, I think I'm here and you might nudge them one way or the other to say like, I think maybe it's here or here based on this evidence or like, would that be the way that conversation would go? That's absolutely how it goes. Yep. And, and the vast majority of times that I've sat down with kids, like, or just the kids this last semester is they tended to lowball themselves, right? They tended to say, well, you know, they looked at, they're often looking still from deficit thinking. And that goes right back to the very, very beginning when we were, just talking about themselves as learners and, and just very, very self-deprecating ways that they saw themselves as readers and writers. And so I guess that's one of the goals too, is that we're not just looking at like this novel or this, this genre. It was really thinking again, just like my career spirit classroom, like as reading like writers and writing as, as the reader. So it's, it's trying not to think of it just as a checklist or an assignment. It's, it's it's very more of an active trying to get them thinking about their learning that way. Yeah, like those aspirational goals, um, which are really identity based. It's like seeing yourself yeah. as a writer, seeing yourself as a reader, those types of things. And th- that's a oh a lifetime's worker. That's like like building identity is pretty important stuff. But it, and it doesn't get done in just one semester. But no. yeah, if people can. I, inhabit those identities of being a reader or writer like that's that's for life which is pretty awesome work yeah and I like to think of it also that we're creators right so for each one of those pieces as well I guess that was another um didn't even really kind of (laughs) I skipped ahead and everyone really finished how we how we did Mm -hmm. the finished off like the student voice in the course but throughout it's like the self-reflection piece like every single thing that they included in their portfolio had to come with a self-reflective piece where they were looking at the craft and the content of their work. So like the content wasn't that hard. I wanted to write about this because, and this is the direction I went with it. And then just looking again, what were the craft moves we made? And then once we got to the end, we did do that, that interview. And then also just gave them an end of class survey. So it was on Google Docs. And it was pretty straightforward and, and just literally surveyed them on like, um, just everything we had done. How did you feel about the block class? How do you feel about the gradeless approach? How did you feel about what was easiest or kind of something that you enjoyed from the portfolio? What was something that was difficult or you found challenging or didn't like about it? And just a whole variety of questions um, to get that feedback from them. And I, I was very clear, it doesn't matter to me what you say, but this is to help me guide um, kind of my planning into the next course, which was interesting because now like we started a new course and uh, asked the same questions at the beginning of the class and the kids I had had the first semester, it, all of them were like, yep, we really want to do portfolio kind of assessment, that idea again. And the kids I hadn't had are, are more reluctant. They were still more wanting a traditional like marking things and, and a test at the end idea. 
Okay. Okay. There's a whole bunch of stuff I want to go through here. So, uh, so basically at the end of the course, you're, you're having a survey to say like, what do you think about a number of topics? Right. So yeah. my question, my first question on that would basically be like, as you're going through the course, you're, you're already like building a relationship with these kids and you're, you're getting their feedback. Why did you want to do a survey at the end? Like, why was that important to you? Well, it, it really is just to guide that future planning. Right. And I did say to kids too, like, like I have very strong philosophies about what I believe and how I like, this is why, you know, this is why we're doing what we're doing. Um, but at the same time, if there was something that everybody agreed that, no, you know, we really wanted a little bit more of actual marks all the way through to feel like I, I knew I was doing, then I said, yeah, we could, could look at that. Or if there's something that was really amazing and everyone really enjoyed doing that, then that should become something that I make, um, make sure happens in my next course. So it's all about planning for the next steps of students and I think that that helped kids to well some of them end up being in that next set of students depending what courses they take but just they'll they're a little bit more I guess open to giving some feedback uh, because it wasn't personal from them and it wasn't personal towards me it was very much about how can we make this learning better yeah and it's and it's just like it's being really intentional about having a structure to make sure everybody gets to, to contribute to that. Right. Like I've had times where it's like, there's kids I've had really good relationships with who would just like, I would not ask for feedback and they'd be very willing to give me feedback, <laughs> good and bad. Uh, but if there are some structures you need to make sure everybody has that opportunity. Right. So I think that's a really good structure. The other thing I wonder too, though, like, and we've, t- we talked about this before we started this conversation a couple of days ago, but, how did you feel about um, giving the kids those opportunities to give that feedback? Like, were you worried that there'd be negative comments or were you trust you've had enough of those conversations? It wasn't a big deal. Cause I was sharing, cause the reason I was sharing with you is like, I've done that before and I hate the negative feedback and eventually I get over my feelings and I, I realize it's really good, but there, that is a barrier I think for some folks. And it was for me to some point too, just like, I don't want to, terrible things I'm not good at (laughs) how do you approach that well and I did say to kids it was nothing personal right like it it, I will not take this personally like I just wanted them to be very honest and some of them were personal like even in their notebook writing or journals I remember one day um, a student had flagged the one for me to read for him and it was very much about like if we're not working on portfolio today I'm not doing anything and I don't know why we're not doing stuff if it doesn't count and right and he's like okay Right. And, and that was part way through. It wasn't at the end. And so mm-hmm. I think sometimes I almost need a mechanism as we're going through some of these through the process as well. So not just keep it to the end. Um, yeah. But I mean, we side by side all the time. Like there was there was ample opportunities for conversations. But sometimes that anonymous feedback at the end, um, kids are maybe just maybe they are concerned about hurting someone's feelings or maybe they Maybe it was just an off day that that was the the rant I got in the notebook. Like it's hard to tell, and so you kind of yeah. I think I just take that with a grain of salt, right? Yeah, yeah. Like when you understand what where people are coming from, or at least what their perspectives are, you can make better decisions. And if you don't have that information, it's really you're just you're just going with with your gut, which sometimes is right, sometimes not so much. So, yeah. What do you think is hard about this? Like, what's the what are the things you find challenging about trying to capture student voice or let that guide? where you go as a class? I think, I think some of it is just the unfamiliarity for kids. Like a lot of times Mm. they still just want me to tell them what to do and when to hand it in. And like, even with the essay, I can't remember what one girl had put in um, 
it wasn't in the survey, but it was in another thing she had submitted and just said, like, I just like when people tell me what they assign the essay and, and tell me what the essay is going to be on. And that it was a bit of a struggle at first to actually think about like, well, what do I want to do? And how do, how can I show what, what I'm learning about this? And she found herself to be a little bit more creative of a person than she had given herself credit for. So I think that there are some obstacles with that, that um, like when kids talked about the challenges, it, it was like choosing, choosing what to do. Um, the artist statements was what we called them, but they're just the self-reflective pieces were, were hard for kids at first too, to, mm -hmm. to actually think about or analyze what you, what you've done. Um, and then you also get into it, cause this is a little bit different than student voice, but when we did portfolios, we, we had to ad address procrastination, right? Yeah. Because that's a big, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit of a procrastinator. I guess everybody is to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And, and so keeping kids on track um, was, was something we had to keep, we, we had to keep uh, in the forefront too, so that we didn't leave anyone behind. Um, what else would be, I think, yeah, they're just kind of used to jumping through the hoops and yeah. we're doing it just to be done. And that's not the goal of student voice at all. The student goal of student voice is I want you to care about this. I want you to do something that's meaningful to you. That'll be impactful at the end that you can say that you learned something instead of just like somebody walking out of the, the time we have together in a, on a daily basis and goes, wow, I didn't learn anything today. Well, so it, the onus is, is shifting a bit. So, well, what, what did you choose to learn today? So I think that those would be those, the, the unfamiliarity of it. So kids just really not sure if they want to, if they're comfortable with their own voice and, and their own ownership of their learning. And then um, the other one I would say is always looking for the right answer. And that doesn't necessarily even mean like our high end kids who just want to get the right answer to get the best mark that they can. Uh, I think a lot of, kids are just afraid that whatever they're, they're doing is not going to be right. Like, I don't know how many date times in a day I'll say, there's no wrong answer to this. There's no wrong answer to this. Just what are you thinking? And so the, the student voice in terms of assignments is the exact same thing. There's no wrong way of showing me what your learning is. Yeah. Like there's just not a wrong way. You are showing me your learning in a visible way. And that's like, we can gauge how, how effective and how well we think that maybe you showed that learning, but there is no wrong way when you allow for student voice um, in terms of assignments or their learning. Yeah. You're just making me think one of the first things you said there about uh, like thinking's hard. Uh, yeah. It, it's, yeah. it is challenging, especially when we're growing, right? It's like, there's dissonance, it's uncomfortable. And it's like, this takes up a lot of energy. And sometimes you just want to be told like what to do. And I, and I get that, like in our house, it's basically like neither my wife, Claire, neither of us cares who cooks supper, but neither of us want to decide like someone just decide what we're having and yeah. then like I'll make it because it's just like that deciding part is the hard part. The actual like making of the craft dinner and hot dogs, that's not very challenging, <laughs> <laughs> but it's the deciding part. And I think that's what some kids we've trained them in some sense to just be like, okay, I'm going to do all your thinking for you. I'm going to provide all these scaffolds for you. You just follow the recipe. You just follow the algorithm that I've laid out. And then when you're like, no, actually what my job is is just to collect is to collect evidence of these outcomes and so here's the outcome you can meet it in a variety of ways they really struggle with that 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 autonomy or that like having to make that decision and they're uncomfortable with it and they want affirmation and all those things and that is that's one of the things you kind of have to like live through and support kids through and but like 
the long-term benefit of that is like, well, then they're thinkers, then they're learners at the end, not just like rule followers. And like we, I, look, I want my kids to be uh, pleasant and like cordial and get along, but I also want them to think too. So yeah, absolutely. I really connect to that. Well, that's, it's that compliance piece, right? Like there yeah. are a lot of kids will simply do what we ask them to do because we told them to do it. But they're really, again, not really actively engaged in their learning. And it's certainly not giving them any opportunities to be creative and innovative about uh, what it is that they're learning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not moving their identity forward, which is huge work. Yeah. Um, if you go back uh, a couple of years uh, and think about like where you started, what's the message you needed to hear? What's the thing you would tell somebody who was just starting out about like why this is worth it or what you should do or like, how do I, how do I start this if I, if this isn't a focus for me yet? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I used to have a, literally would have a sign on the front of my room that said like everything counts because I got sick of kids saying, does this count? Is this counting? Is this counting? Cause, cause it really was that mindset. If it didn't count for something that in the grade book, then, then it wasn't valuable. And so yeah. I think like, I know we mashed a lot of things together in our conversation here, but it, it is really moving away from that idea of just what counts versus like, what is, what is mattering in terms of your learning and what are you learning? So um, I, I just feel like that student voice is so important in um, just giving them that ownership. So everything is mattering. It, everything that we do matters, but not everything we do has to, has to count. Has a score on it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's, I, there, there's been a couple of schools where I've tried that in and some are way more receptive to that than others to basically be like, Hey, we're going to, I'm just going to give you feedback. And some are like, yep, here we go. And others are like, well, why would I do it then? And it, the, it is interesting. The culture of even, even classes within schools value that way differently. And it, yeah, it's just a, it always surprises me how different that can be. But. but that's where that student voice really comes in, I think. Mm. So like even today when we're talking simply about worldviews um, and it, there wasn't a right or a wrong way to do it, but we're just talking about worldviews and we're talking indigenous worldviews and European worldviews. And all right. So everyone just choosing a, a topic, a modern issue of their own, anything kids were generating ideas like environment and um, like voting. Cause that's what was happening right now. And then just analyzing it and then, like the questions were, well, what should this look like? And I said, it doesn't matter. Like it's not, and it's not for marks, but we're going to share them. So a lot of mm -hmm. it lent, lent itself to a T chart and some were a Venn diagram and some were just kind of sketching ideas. And, and that's why, like, I mean, I could have assigned some questions to that. And I don't know that they would have all got done simply because again, now we're just jumping hoops and I don't think, think this is important. Uh, whereas this way, when you're kind of shifting that back to the kids, it's, they, they were all kind of thinking of ideas because I wasn't telling them what to do. They had that ownership and thinking, okay, I'm going to pick a topic. All right, let's talk about this. And, um, and then it, it lets them do that. So yeah. I just think, yeah, I've come, I've come such a long way from that. Everything counts. And my grade book is full of a million things and trying to get kids. Now they didn't hand it in. Now I got to hunt down this assignment. And, you know, in the big picture, it was just at one single assignment, like, is that really reflective of, is it even tied to an outcome at that point? Cause that, yeah. like a lot of the things I did originally weren't even outcome based. They were just simply, well, we're, we're doing this and we're reading this and we're answering questions on this. Um, but it wasn't focused on the learning. And I think yeah. that's a big switch for me has been focused on what the learning actually is. And then it's the student voice and student choice. 
and, and the simple things is like, I think we really got started. The shift for me started with Heritage Fair and Genius Hour ideas. Mm. And then this last semester, and I've played with it a bit in some classes, but this last uh, semester was the first we went really all in and everything was um, student voice, student directed, student ownership of their learning. Once you kind of make those switches, like we've, we've kind of weaved through student voice and assessment here, kind of mix the two, which makes sense. If you can get alignment with your assessment, like your outcomes-based assessment and how you're collecting evidence and then how you're working with kids, once you get that aligned, you actually find like, oh, I have more time than I thought I did because I'm not measuring stuff that I actually don't need to measure. I'm not gathering evidence on stuff I actually don't need to gather yeah. evidence on. Yeah. Like I was really surprised once I started to like, do a better job of that. I was like, oh, there actually, there is a bunch of stuff that's cool that I was doing, but this doesn't inform any of the outcomes I'm supposed to be like measuring. This yeah. can totally go. <laughs> like, yeah. And then it's like, oh, I have time for this other stuff. That was a, that was my epiphany. <laughs> and, and once again, it's like, it's not rocket scientists. And you're probably like, well, Paul, duh. Like that's <laughs> like, you should teach the curriculum. Yeah, I get that. But, <laughs> but that's my journey, Edla. Don't judge me. <laughs> no, no judgment from here either. <laughs> Good. Um, anything I should have asked you that I didn't? Anything uh, you? Any thoughts you're having? I would think the the only thing I would really want to to say again is that like if we're if we're encouraging kids to always like be readers or and writers and whatnot, I think we have to um, also revisit our idea of, of what that means as teachers. What what does teaching mean? And and the side by side learning and engagement and relationship building piece. All of my Prairie Spirit classroom like components are, are huge in that. Like I've just really rethought what that means to be a teacher. Uh, mm -hmm. It's very much that side by side with kids and co-constructing and, and letting them guide because they can, they can guide their own learning, whether they're in grade seven or they're grade 12, right? Like, like they're not these empty vessels. I know that seems like kind of an old idea, but, but they really do come with their own um, things that they contribute from their identity or just from their background or from passions and student voices, is allowing me to rethink what I, what my purpose in the classroom is as well. Hmm, that's really interesting. So like, how did that role shift for you? How or when? Boy, it's hard to tell, right? Like, I think it's probably little subtle things. I think some of it is like, as your kid, your own children um, mm, yeah. go through the school system and, and you kind of just see the different approaches people have with it. And then are, are they being compliant? Are they actually really caring about this? And for my own kids, the things they really cared about were, were a lot of inquiry based, the things where they were able mm -hmm. to choose a topic and really delve into it and, and get their own passions involved. And so I think once my own kids were students, that helped me reevaluate that. And then just thinking again, like, how, how we all learn best. And anytime we're on the receiving end of something, like as teachers, we're always actively involved in the classroom, right? We're, we're the ones that are moving, especially now in COVID time when things are even more restricted, right? Um, when, you know, more you would have kids up with think, thinking classroom or, or things like that and seem to scale mm -hmm. those back a little bit. And so it's just remembering that learning is an active activity, right? It's not something passive. And, and if I was gonna be a learner in my classroom, what would I want that to look like? And it sure wouldn't be me just sitting in a desk and, and be filling out, you know, paper things. It would be me reflecting because I'm a writer. So I love to write. I would love to, re to reflect a bit of a sketcher if I got a chance to sketch things out um, and just always options. If I'm given some options for something, I will choose something that I care about every single time. 
That's cool. Super cool. Yeah. Well, Eva, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me here. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you sharing with us. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me again. That's our show. I again want to thank Edla for making this conversation happen. As I mentioned in the intro, there is another episode released today with Jennifer Mason looking at working with younger students, but it includes some ideas that are applicable to all grade levels. Be sure to check that out. And stay tuned for our last episode in our Student Voice series, which is coming out shortly. You won't want to miss it. Until then, stay safe and take care. Take care.